Hello and welcome. This is the Ultra Working Podcast. I am Chris Natterer and I'm joined again today by our CTO, Lee Knowlton. Lee, good to have you back on the show with me. Happy to be back. And in today's episode, I want to talk with you about communication, better communication. Here at Ultra Working, we're very focused on running really well-prepared and well-agendered meetings. And one thing that seemed to come up over and over again in the meetings that I was preparing was that I sort of wanted to give a lot of background information first about the specific topic that we wanted to address before then presenting my conclusion based on the information that I had just given. And you pointed out to me that this is sort of the wrong way in terms of order of operations to structure my communication. And you pointed me in the direction of something called the pyramid principle or the, the inverted pyramid when it comes to communication or structuring your communication. Can you tell me a bit more about that concept? Yeah, so pyramid, inverted pyramid, I don't think it much matters. But the gist is this. If you want to communicate well, especially with someone who's busy, then start with the most important piece of information first. And often that's the conclusion. That's the answer. And then fill in the details later, fill in the context later. So if you and I are, are having a chat and you're really busy and you know, I want to, to get you up to speed as quickly as possible, then I might say, hey, Chris, can we reschedule the meeting later? I have a doctor's appointment and I don't think I'll make it on time. Don't want to disrupt your schedule and so on and so forth. And so I asked you the question first, everything after that comes in this context, you know, the opposite where I say, hey, Chris, by the way, I have a doctor's appointment later and yeah, I don't know how the rest of my day is going to go and, and so on and so forth. Like you can add some more things. I'm, they might look at my ankle. I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about it. I rolled it while I was running the other day. So could we reschedule the appointment later? And you're like, ah, so I see that's the point. So the whole time, the whole time when I'm talking in the beginning, if I start with context, if I start with details, then you're like, I see this is information. This is information. Where do I put this information? What do I connect this to? And you have this kind of dialogue going on with yourself and you don't know exactly where to place this information, how to contextualize it. Well, when I ask you, hey, can we reschedule the, the meeting for later? First, everything after that is, is just context. It's now answering the question, why? Rather than leading you along. So I think that's the, the crux of it is, you know, lead with the answer, lead with the conclusion, especially when you're trying to speak with busy people. There are a few caveats. We can explore them in a little bit, but that's the crux. No, that makes a lot of sense, especially the last part about if you don't give the conclusion first, then the other party is sitting there asking themselves, why am I listening to this information and what am I supposed to do at the end? Is he asking me, for example, for advice on how to treat a rolled ankle or what is my purpose in this conversation? And by giving the conclusion first, you know exactly how to interact with the information that is coming your way. I would say that there are some situations where I would naturally do it the correct way and start with the conclusion. In mm -hmm. this example here, for example, I hope that I would start with, you know, the most important thing first. But then there are other, maybe more complex situations where I wouldn't naturally jump in, where I feel the need yeah. to give the context yeah. first. And I think it might have to do with the confidence level about my conclusion. Yeah, this is really interesting. And I do think there are some... So first of all, I think that this is one of those concepts where it sounds dead obvious. It sounds dead obvious, like, of course, like lead with the most important information. Like, yeah, of course, why would I not do that? 
And yet in practice, in observation, if you observe a bunch of people communicating, the opposite is often true. And so when you get something like this, where the intuition is and the observations that you can make are actually the opposite of the obvious thing, it's really interesting. So you look for principles or concepts in practice. It's not happening this way, even though if you analyze it, you feel like it should. So setting that aside for a moment, you mentioned confidence levels, and I think this is really interesting. I think it's very common with people who are less confident in their conclusions to want to mentally walk through their line of thinking. And all the meantime, you know, the person who's listening is like, you're hoping that the person who's listening is like checking each part. And you're also becoming more confident yourself as you're talking or less confident in your conclusions. Like either way, you're developing your thinking as you're talking. And, and so you're, you're getting somewhere. This is great if you're talking to yourself. It's very difficult if you're the, the recipient, if you're the receiving party, because you don't know what to do with the information. So what you can do in that context, I think my, my recommendation would be to start with the fact that you're, not ten- that you're not sure about your conclusions yet, and that you want to trace your line of thought and that the person who's listening, you want them to listen and see if there are any weaknesses in your line of thinking and your argument and, and whatever, because that's actually what you're asking for. And so by asking this person up front, they're not like, why is this guy telling me this long story about all these details? They're like, okay, let me listen and see where things stop making sense. And again, you're, it's the same thing in a different context. You're loading up a context for the other person that they can then jump from, that they can listen for. And so you're, you're also reducing the search space that they have to look for. Lots of different details. I don't know how these are connected, or I kind of know how these are connected, but I don't know what the conclusion is. I don't know where he's going with this to, I see, this is where he's going with this. Now let me check if this is correct or not. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, recorded the show about proven methods the other day. And I really love the idea of having a framework in a field like communication, because once you've got it established, then you've got plenty of opportunity and hopefully a long lifetime to practice and benefit from this new framework. And yeah, the last point, adding your level of confidence up front. I think that's really interesting. Because that gives your listener or the, the person you're talking to another level of, of, infor- of context about how to filter interact with this information that's coming from you. I think you have to be a little bit careful around that as well. In that, you know, for people who like <laughs> a failure pattern that I've seen with the recommendation I just made is that if you give your confidence level in the beginning, then you can launch into this long tirade about like why you're not confident about it. And then all of a sudden you're again, like off the central point. And, and so like, not very confident about this would love for you to listen to my line of thinking and then point down any faults and then just kind of jump into it rather than going on X reason or Y reason why I'm not confident. So I can see that I've seen that failure pattern before. I think it's worth mentioning, but it really is. I think a lot of this boils down to being able to simulate the mind of the person that you're speaking to going, Hey, how much of this information could they realistically hold in RAM in, in, like short-term memory. And then uh, where where do I need to make the links more obvious? Where can I make them more subtle? Do you have a process to identify what needs to be communicated? Um, I find that can be a challenge when I prepare for a meeting or a briefing to, as you said, simulate the other person and figure out what information do I have that they don't have, what information would be valuable for them, what information do they need, what should I communicate? Yeah, how do you go about that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't I haven't solidified this, but it's certainly something I do when I'm trying to talk to people. Is what is the what's the result I want them I want to happen here? What what do I want them to think at the end of this? Alternatively, like what behavioral change do I want? But what's the result that I want? And and starting with that question, what's the objective? Has been very helpful for me over time. It can be hard for people to simulate objectives, but if you're having a long talk and you don't know what the point is, then a little bit dubious use of time. Certainly, like you can explore. And again, that comes back to the same thing. Like, I don't really know what I'm getting at yet. Let's explore. And then you go on there and we know we're exploring. We're in the same context. We're not just wandering aimlessly. And we know we're getting somewhere. Sometimes aimless, wonderful conversations can happen. And and sometimes they even result in things. So I'm not saying this is the only model of communication, but in particular, if you're in like time-constrained, objective-driven communication, I think this is the very helpful model. So yeah, what's the objective? What's the point? What do you want them to walk away with? At the end of this time, like, what should the result be? These kinds of questions are the things that I try to ask myself if I'm designing this. You know, sometimes if it's a meeting, right? In the context of a meeting, I might even write these out in prose on an agenda. This is what I would like you to think about, or, or here's what I'd like to be true at the end of this meeting. And they can read that first, and then I can fill in the gaps verbally or even written, depending on what we're doing. But yeah, what do I want to be true at the end is the dominant question that I use. Yeah. So there's an important caveat, which is, you know, not all communication is meant to convey information. It sounds slightly wrong, but let's, let's roll with it. When I'm a great, a great counter example is well, like, what if you start with the punchline of a joke? Well, that's ridiculous. Like who, who would do that? Like you wouldn't start with, oh yeah, by the way, to get to the other side. And you're like, so why did the chicken cross the road? Like, it doesn't make sense. You like, you, you tell the joke, you set it up and you want to produce a certain amount of novelty. And so when you're trying to lead someone to a novel experience or something surprising, then you don't want to give away the conclusion because you want them to not know what's coming next. So this is a counterexample. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And I think because it's the opposite, it's illustrative of the main point, which is when you want somebody to not be, in general, in communication, you don't want to be surprised by what's coming next because it like throws you and you have to put in extra effort. And so the less surprise, the better for this kind of communication. If you're a comedian, I presume that uh, surprise is a, a valuable element and a little bit of novelty is uh, what you're going for. And in that case, definitely the opposite type of thing. Okay, so we got the first mental model or the first part of the communication framework here, which is if you're trying to communicate clearly, you want to reduce the uncertainty for your counterparty. You want to not let them hang in the dark of where your communication is leading. So you start with the conclusion and then give them the context first so they're, they know what to expect and how to file that information and how to interact with the information. And I think it's, first of all, also, again, super valuable to take out the skill and work on it and put it back into your skill set because you will have so many opportunities on a daily basis to practice this. And yeah, it's just an underrated skill. It's not really taught, at least I was never taught it in a, at least, you know, educational setting, how to communicate clearly. Do you have any other skills, any other frameworks, any other, you know, approaches to communication that help you to be a better communicator? Yeah. So this has less to do with ordering, which is what we talked about before, the ordering of information, the ordering of communication, as it does with 
the ability to resolve open questions. And, you know, when you have a talk with somebody or a meeting or something like that, especially if it's over a longer period of time, then you might end up going down multiple subtopics. And the thing that you want to remember is that, you know, you have some goals, you have some things you want to accomplish, you have some things you want to be true at the end. And to let yourself be taken down into something deep and then not resurface and resolve the original question, just like finish while having dove deep, but never, never resurface and resolve seems to be a mistake. And so it's not that you can't go deep. In fact, some wonderful conversations are, are like, go deep on this seemingly unrelated thing and then come back up and then resolve it. And I think that's nice conversational pattern. Like if you can just stay at the top level and like focus on the main point and resolve it as is, like that's okay too, of course. But at the end of the day, you want to be able to come back and resolve what the main crux, what the main point of the conversation is of the like type of communication you're doing is. And so not getting stuck and just running out of time or finishing, certainly something that I, I think about. And, you know, we internally like to talk about history and philosophy and things like that. And so being able to see, being able to simultaneously, I think it's a skill that you have to develop and also something you have to be aware of as you dive deeper and deeper being able to bring it back up to the surface eventually and go, oh, okay, all right, I see how this ties into what we were talking about before. Let's bring it back and try and solve this problem and then finish at that top level, focusing on those those main conclusions if you haven't yet done so. I think that's the, the main point here. Hmm, that's interesting. When I hear this, what I'm thinking of is that you have to develop the situational awareness almost where on the map you're located. Where are you in the thread of conversations? Are you going down Are you going uh, horizontally? What are actually the points that you're trying to make? What is the main thread of the conversation? What would be the yeah. sort of horizontally next big picture point? And what would be the vertically going deeper in the current thread yeah. point? Yeah, where am I located and where do I want to be? Like once we finish this ride or drive or whatever, like where do we want to be at the end of the day? It's okay if you go off track as long as you get back on track. <laughs> And I think that's the I think that's the big point. So in order to know if you're off track, you actually need to know what the track is that you're trying to follow. Yeah, yeah. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to arrive? And it's the same thing with the principle we talked about before is like, hey, what do you actually want to say? What do you actually want to be true at the end of this conversation? When you don't know that, then... Making it clear that you don't know will save both of you guys a lot of time. And I think that's a good place to be in. Okay, so then at the end of the conversation here, we could explore how to actually put this into practice. I think there are almost two classes of skills. Some are very deliberate skills. Like, for example, if you want to learn how to do it like a four-year analysis that's something you look it up in a book. And then whenever you have to solve a problem with this, approach you have a lot of time to step by step work through the correct method to arrive at the right result then you have something like changing a subconscious pattern for example in your speech or communication where you in the moment have to figure out that this is now an opportunity for you to practice then take the right skill sort of from your toolbox and apply it what what tips do you have to work on this specific subskill like how do you improve your communication how do you override the maybe patterns that you have built over a very long period of time and 
replace them with something that's better? Yeah, two things come to mind. Number one is slow down, and number two is get help. So slow down, you could also say exaggerate or, or whatever. But if you're trying to add a new communication pattern, you probably need to prepare a little bit before your next conversation. And so while you normally would like go quick and just jump into it, well, this time you're going to slow down. You're going to plan. You're going to think about it. How are you going to start it? At least you can nail the start. At least you can nail the start. Another thing that's somewhat related is is to like force yourself in every conversation that you have to do this and like make a point of it. Like maybe make set up like some kind of tracking sheet in Excel or or Google Sheets or whatever. And so like you're, hey, in this I had how many conversations today with who? Let's see if I, I use this new technique. It seems like overkill, but if you want to change the behavior, like make it possible to change. And the second one is get help. And this is where it's really nice to have peers who are, are truly looking out for you and want you to develop or a culture of like low ego, high development people around you where you can say, hey, Chris, like, look, I, I have this conversational pattern, really want to fix it. I know we, you and I have a lot of meetings together and I want you to, you don't have to do it super actively, but I want you to watch out for me and maybe after the meeting or while it's happening, depending on what you think is more useful, like just give me a little bit, give me a light nudge or a little notification or later on after the meeting, we can debrief and you can let me know how often it happened. And you might have to remind, I might have to remind you every once in a while, but uh, if this is the case and if you can pull something like this off and you have the kind of people who are willing to do it with you, I think that's a wonderful dynamic to have and a very quick path to getting better. Feedback in general like this needs to be quite quick so you can fix it. And it's often uncomfortable for people who are not used to it, but I think it's, you got to train it out of yourself. So if you don't have people like that, then it's the slow down, make it deliberate. If you do have people, then ask them for immediate feedback or debriefs. All right. I think that is really salient advice. Um, to summarize, we covered three things. Number one is the order in which you deliver the information is very important. You want to start with the conclusion first. So the person you're communicating with knows where to put the information and how to interact with it. Secondly, is being aware where you are in the conversation and what points you're trying to hit. Are you staying on the main point or are you going deep on a sub point and then making sure if you're going deep on a sub point to eventually re-emerge and resolve the main point getting back to the main route. And finally, number three, if you want to get better at this or any other skill, then you should be paying yeah. a lot of deliberate attention, slowing things down and getting help from people around you to give you direct feedback and tell you exactly where and how to improve. Yeah, yeah. And I had a number four to it. I think you hit the nail on the head. Number four is summarize your conclusions at the end of the conversation so they're salient and people remember them. All right. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lee, for running me through some of the really helpful tools here for communication. I found this particularly helpful for myself, going to be yeah, taking this apart and, and, and practicing, uh, slowing things down deliberately and asking you for, more, for some feedback in the future. And hopefully for you, listener, it was also very useful. Thank you for listening. And as always, be well.